that I wanted to do an entire message on knowing your authority because it was one of the points that we went over fairly quickly last week. You see, you need to know that you serve Jesus. You need to know how amazing his kingdom is and what his kingdom is trying to do. And last week, we looked at the fact that the kingdom of the Lord Jesus was there to see people saved, set free, made whole, live abundant, a number of things. And you and I have now become part of that kingdom if we are saved, if we've accepted Christ into our heart. You see, the authority that you and I have is important for us to win the spiritual battle. Many times people don't know they have authority as a Christian. Or they think, well, I have no authority because I made mistakes. Look around. Look to the person to your left and right. They've made mistakes too. Guaranteed. But the enemy, he will try to convince you you have no authority because, well, you did this in the past or you did that. That has nothing to do with your authority. Your authority comes through Jesus Christ. And your authority is because of who he is working through you. In Luke 9 verse 1, we read this. This is Jesus, and I want you to see that he gave his followers authority. It says, then he called his 12 disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Okay, so Jesus, right from the beginning, he took his disciples, those who followed him, he trained them and he taught them, but there came a point where he said, all right, now I'm giving you authority to do the same thing I do, and you will have that authority. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, we read it again. You see, initially he gave that authority to 12 of his followers, then he began to give it to more. And in Luke 10, it says this, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Okay, I want you to see that he's given authority to his followers. Now, he sends them out, and we drop down to verse 17, and we listen to what they said when they came back. So, verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. That's the kingdom of the enemy. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That means nothing can hurt you. The authority you've been given is an ultimate authority through Jesus Christ. And this is important for you to know. Now, this authority was given to those who followed him. You and I as Christians are considered those who follow him. Christ Jesus gave us this authority so we could join with him in fulfilling his kingdom purpose. Now, I've talked about this a little bit over this series already. The fact that we are in a spiritual kingdom. Often we look at things with our natural eyes and we try to fix things only in the natural. Now you can't ignore the natural, but there is a spiritual side as well. And it's real. 
And if each of us could have our eyes opened in the spirit right now, you would see that it's real. You would see that there are angels. You would see that there may be some, even there's a troubling spirit trying to hang on. Now I mentioned this as well, and I will mention it again. If you are saved, you've asked Christ to come be in your life. You can't be possessed, but you can still be oppressed if you refuse to use your authority. What do I mean by that? When someone is possessed, there's a spirit in them controlling them. When someone is oppressed, there's a spirit outside trying to convince or trick or fool them so that they'll take that kind of action. And oppression can be very, very um, destructive for people if they begin to believe the oppression that's coming against them. Okay? So the spiritual is real. I remember hearing a story. I heard the man speak a number of years ago. He also had a book and I read it. And he, before he was a spirit-filled Christian, he was into witchcraft. And uh, I got to be careful how I say it. Well, no, I'm just going to say it straight out. He tells a story, writes in his book, that he was a medicine man. He was into witchcraft is what he says. And he (laughs) practiced, he dealt with spiritual things, and he felt that he had a lot of power. And he remembers putting curses on people and seeing things happen to their life. He tells in a story how he was hitchhiking to town. And as he was hitchhiking, this guy in a really nice car passed him and just ignored him. And so he cursed him with the witchcraft that he practiced. The next person stopped and picked him up. And when he got to town, there was that guy under the hood of his vehicle because it wasn't running anymore. The spiritual is real. And yet often we forget and we only look at things in the natural. You see, we have an enemy who doesn't want us to succeed, but we have authority through Christ. And you see, today I'm bringing it down to you because often as Christians, as believers, we feel like, well, it's all up to God and there's this separation and if he wants to, he will, but he doesn't have to. It's all up to him. He already chose what he wanted to do. He sent his son to die for us to win the battle. You see, Christ, it says, went and took the keys of hell and death from the devil. Christ is victorious already. In Revelation, you can read where they worshiped because he was worthy. They said there's no one who can do it. They were they were almost defeated, and John, the revelator who saw it, was, began to cry, there's nobody. And then he said, I saw, as it were, a lamb that had been slain. And they said, he's worthy to take and open the scroll. In other words, he is already victorious. God already had his way. Christ has already had the victory. But now, he gives it authority to you and I. And if you want to sit there and not use it, it's useless to you. If you want to pretend the supernatural is not real, then you will be plagued and you will have trouble from it continually because you have an enemy. The enemy doesn't want your relationship to go well if you're a Christian. 
So you can look at it only in the natural and blame your spouse if you want. Or maybe you could use your authority and deal with the spiritual things that are coming against you as a couple. Because do you know what happens when you don't do that? You allow the enemy to mess with your spouse and you end up joining forces with him. I know there's some people right now, no, I would never do that. You have done that. I've done that probably myself in the past. Because it is so much easier to look in the natural. But we have a supernatural enemy and he wants to defeat you. But you have the authority through Christ. Okay. All right. This is important. Because too often as individuals, we want to look for reasons why things aren't working. And our natural mind is always to look at somebody else, right? Now, there are some people who only blame themselves, and then the enemy goes the other way and brings them into depression and defeat, and it's all you. Stop! It's not all you. It's not all them. You have an enemy. You want your business to succeed, and you want it to go well? Then you better know how to pray with authority over your business, because the enemy does not want a Christian's business to succeed. Guaranteed. Because when your business succeeds, what do you do? You bless other people. You bless your church. You're a bright light in the community. You might even end up, you hire people and you give other people finance. Do you see the point? So friend, if you're a Christian and you have a business or you're starting a business, you learn how to pray with authority and you learn now. Christ Jesus gave us this authority so we could join him in his kingdom purpose. Now, Luke 10 and verse 20, because this is just right after they were really rejoicing. They said, the demons even listen to us. It's awesome. And then he says in verse 20, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, uh, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So he's given us authority over every spiritual force. But he says, that's not the main thing. Don't just focus on that. He's given you that authority. And the main thing is that your names are written in heaven and that you become part of his kingdom purpose, which brings other people to heaven. Okay, does everybody know what it means to have your names written in heaven or your names written in the book, it says? Uh, I'm just going to explain it a little bit just in case. Here's a couple verses about your name being written. What does that mean? So Revelation 21 and 27, it says, Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry or dis- and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So it's talking about the heavenly city or heaven, and it's saying those who enter into heaven to be where the Lord is must have their name written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, It's maybe hard for us to picture exactly what that might be or how it is, but it is definitely, there is somewhere where it's written those who have accepted Christ, those who are saved. And we know that because John 14, 6, Jesus says this about himself. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So we know the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb is talking about Jesus who died on a cross for us, took our place. It's his book. He said himself, I'm the only way, the truth, the life. That's the only way you're going to get to be with the Father. No other way. 
Now, I know there's some people say, oh, there's lots of paths to God. Well, there might be paths to different gods, but there's only one way to the one true God, and that's through Jesus Christ, okay? According to the Bible, and that's what I have to preach, okay? So know that, and you need your name written in that book. You see, being saved and seeing others saved is the main thing and the main reason for the authority we've been given. Because you see, we have joined in with Christ's purpose now. And we need to use our authority for his purpose. And just a reminder for those who maybe weren't here last week, or maybe you forget like me sometimes, what are a couple of Christ's purpose? Luke 4.18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Christ came to set people free, to heal people, to bring them abundance. In John 3, 16 and verse 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, the word saved means to be completely made whole, body, soul, and spirit. So when Christ came to save a person, he came to heal them, to set their spirit free, to forgive their sins. Everything is part of salvation. It's why you can Pray and believe for healing because that's what he paid for. And you and I have the authority to declare it. And as you use your authority, can I remind you, you don't only pray once when you use authority. How many have ever had a dog, a stray dog come into your yard? Anybody? Just me, that's where I lived before. We had dogs come out. Okay, if you want that dog out of your yard, what do you do? Get out of my yard. Or do you like, could you please leave my yard? And you say it once and go back inside and the dog leaves? No. You tell it to get out. And if you have to tell it to leave again, you tell it to leave again. I remember one time in our yard, we had a dog come in, a pit bull, came into our yard and jumped into the yard and right there trying to play with the kids. And uh, the kids thought it was great. I didn't think it was so great. I told that dog, get out of my yard. And he did. You see... You have authority over the enemy much the same way. But sometimes, rather than use our authority... Now think of this picture. If a pit bull jumped into your yard and your kids were in the yard, okay, you have the authority to deal with it. But sometimes as Christians, what we do instead is, oh, I better sit down and pray. Dear Jesus, please, could you do something about this dog in my yard? I know you're good and it's all up to you. Oh, you could. Or, you know, you could phone the pastor. Pastor, I got this problem. Could you pray for me? And the pastor could pray for you over the phone. Lord, we just pray that you'd come down with an angel or something and chase that dog out. We could. Now, as your pastor, I'm going to counsel you. Get off your butt, go out there and chase that dog out. Because he gave you the authority. Okay, in the spiritual realm, it's no different. Now, please, I don't mind getting calls and I enjoy praying for you guys but also counseling, hey, you got the same authority I do. It's no different. 
The same Christ that's in me is in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, Scripture says, lives in you and I. Not just pastors. You can heal the sick just as the same as I can. The only reason you wouldn't be is if you didn't know your authority or you don't believe it. Because if you don't believe it, what did Christ say? All things are possible to those who what? Believe. So you need to believe that you have authority. You need to believe that you are powerful. You need to believe that Christ wants to work through you. And when you believe that and you start acting on it, look out. Okay, so we need to use our authority. We can't only know that we have authority. We have to use it. Not using authority is the same as not having it. Okay? You just need to understand that. So how do we use our authority? We can use our authority in prayer. Mark eleven twenty two to 24. It says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Okay, this is a scripture about knowing your authority, about knowing the God you serve and how much he wants to bless you. When you understand this and you truly believe that when you pray and ask it will happen, then it happens. He's already made provision for it, but he needs vessels who have faith. That's what faith is, guys. Faith is believing that he wants to work through you when you pray and when you ask. All right, we need to use our authority in declaring life and blessing. And John 6, verse 63 is where that's from. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. This was Jesus talking. In other words, he's saying, hey, the natural stuff is not going to do it right now. I'm giving you spirit words. I'm giving you words led by the Holy Spirit that I'm supposed to speak. And they are words of what? Life. People, we are in a season where we need to be speaking life. Because what you speak and believe is the direction you go. But we need to speak life. 1 Peter 3, verse 9 and 10. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. For the scripture says, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Okay, guys, this is one way you use your authority. Do not repeat evil. Do not repeat things of death. Do not repeat things that break and destroy and cause division. Don't. But choose to speak the things of life and the things of blessing, even to people who seem to be against you. That's, what he's, that's the enemy he's talking about there. He's not talking about the devil in this, in this verse. He's talking about people who seem to be against you. You bless them. And why do you do that? Because they're not actually your real enemy. They're being influenced by spiritual forces, maybe even by lies. 
So if you try to destroy them, you're destroying one of God's creatures, one of his creation, who may or may not be saved yet. And he wants them. They're another one of his kids. What parent wants to see their kids fight each other? Never. Okay? So, speak life. Use your authority. And again, I just have to keep saying it. You have the same authority I do. Okay? You have the same authority I do. I shared with you the other week how our daughter at six years old said in the name of Jesus until she woke up from that nightmare because she knew she had authority. All right? No different. You have authority. Let me start to bring this to a close here in the next few minutes. You can also use your authority in binding and loosing. This is a topic I don't have a lot of time to get into, and, uh, but I do want to just read the verse. Uh, Matthew 16 and verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, let me just give you a really brief what that means. What this verse means when you bind or loose something, and what would you loose something? Well, if someone's in bondage to addiction, well, I would pray, Lord, loose them from the addiction, and what needs to happen in the spiritual realm, he's going to make sure it happens. That's what he means by if you loose on earth, it's loosed in heaven. Okay? Does everybody understand that? And I realize you could go really deep on this, but I'm giving you the very basic, basic of it. Okay? So when you say, in other words, he's telling him, you're going to have great authority. If you bind something that needs to be bound, it's bound. If you loose something that needs to be loosed, it's loosed. Use your authority in seeing others made whole. Listen to Matthew 10, verse 8. This is actually my last verse. Matthew 10, verse 8. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is an amazing verse, and the way it's worded, it almost sounds just like a little checklist. But when you hear those things, for most of us, you probably haven't seen those things happen, have you? Have you healed the sick yet? Have you cleansed the leper? Have you raised the dead? Have you cast out demons? Well, I believe he's telling you, you have the authority to do that if needed. Okay? You have the authority to do that. And he says it matter-of-factly. And then he says, hey, I've given that to you freely. In other words, you didn't pay for that authority or that power. Do you understand that? You didn't work hard for it. You weren't righteous enough for it. This is why this is such a powerful verse. It's given to you freely as one of his. But that also means you give it freely. So you can't start up a business of, I'll pray for you and you pay me money. Okay, anyways, there you go. That's what he meant by freely. Because even in that day and time, if someone, you know, they would expect something in return sometimes for what they did, and he's telling them, no, you did nothing for this power and authority. I'm giving it to you freely. All right. You have power, you have authority. Obviously, that power and that authority comes first through becoming a Christian. If you're here tonight and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you have no power, no authority. No power or authority from Christ. You do need to be saved first, and I want to make sure that everybody here has accepted Christ. And in case somebody has not yet done that, 
I'm going to just take a moment and we're going to say a simple prayer that says, basically, I know in my heart he's real and I want what he has for me, okay? Because Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart that Christ was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, so we're going to do that uh, in case there is someone here who has not yet accepted Christ. And we'll pray along as well. So let's do it now. Just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all my mistakes. Make me new. Use me, Lord. I thank you now. I'm saved. Amen.